0: It's stupid such cop. a fine line between stupid and, and
1: clever. And it's yeah, just a little turnabout. Yeah. Yeah. It's a madhouse! A
2: Yeah,
1: really There seems to be some sort of communication. It's the Ty and Matt show with Matt and Ty. Let's get started.
2: And we're back at it again. The Ty and Matt show just keeps
1: coming back. Oh, do we ever. We're relentless. I know. We just never give up. No. No. That's... I like that. You don't have to be good at things. You just have to not give up and people will still give you credit for like, for the effort.
2: Yeah. That's consistency. And, and I, f-
1: I feel like that's, that's how our podcast... It's like, well, God love them. They do it every two weeks.
2: Yeah. I mean... We don't love the podcast, but it does just keep happening.
1: Yep, regardless. <laughs>
2: that's That needs to be the time Matt slogan. You don't have to love it. It just keeps happening.
1: Yeah, but you can't shit on us for the fact that, you know, we do episodes every two weeks.
2: We're like the daylight savings of podcasts where it's like, look, you, you kind of don't like it, but it's kind
1: of charming.
2: You know, every time it happens, yeah. the news does a whole thing about it. I like and we that. We all talk about it.
1: Yeah, 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 and you get an extra hour of sleep. <laughs> um, well, yeah, it's I love because th- we
2: wind you down.
1: Yeah, th- this time of year, I love those news stories. Th- those those yearly, like they do the same thing every year. If you're working in news, like that's the greatest. Like your daylight savings stories, yep. and then we have another one coming up this week, and they do this one a couple times a year. Busiest travel days.
2: Busiest travel days. I love those airport delays
1: damn, right? You send Holidays. the reporter...
2: Holidays? are the easiest.
1: Yes. They're, they're great. I love those where they, every year, they'll send reporters out to an airport, and then there's the people sitting there, like, sleeping on the floor, and they're like, so how's your travel been? They're like, how do you think? And the person has to answer, like, oh, it's been, you know, been sleeping here for nine hours on the floor. Our flight to Schenectady's been delayed. The the and, best- and they, the best day had to have been when
2: the, the Atlanta airport, mm-hmm. like you remember when it lost power? No, that was a couple of years ago. That was I, actually while we were at UCF, the Atlanta airport lost power for really? like a substantial amount of time. And I just feel like that was the easiest day to work in news. It was just like, just, I don't know, send them out there. Yeah. Just talk to how, like, find out how miserable people are.
1: Orlando had an issue too. They like because I remember the the monorail system stopped working. Oh, you know yeah. how you have to take a monorail to like from like the the terminal to the gates. Yeah, um, that stopped working. I remember the the news coverage consisted of like aerial shots of people walking. Like they had to walk that instead of taking the Oof. the monorail. Yeah, um, that that was the news coverage. Those easy news days are always fun.
2: That's what I want. I just want a nice cake cake news day just like just like hand it to me on a silver platter of like essentially I guess it's like a combination of like if you get a large group of people very miserable about something Mm -hmm. that's as easy as it gets a news yes it writes itself you just interview people and they will bitch and like people watch it at home and then they get to bitch about their bitching
1: yeah this time of year is perfect for that because you get the flight delay stories you get here we up up in the north. Here we have the snow stories, which are the <laughs> the the equivalent of like the southern like gearing up for a hurricane stories. Yeah, um, and then we also get Black Friday stories where they interview the people waiting in line. Oh, I yeah. love those. It's, like again, it's always like clockwork. You'll see them like Wednesday, or th- they they may have already started. They might start tomorrow, Or you'll the get the pe- of, like
2: a Target employee being trampled.
1: Yep. Yep. That or, happens. Or, or the person sitting in front of a Best Buy to get a TV like only slightly cheaper than they could get it at home if they just ordered <laughs> it online, but they they're gonna camp out. Yeah, th- this is a great time of year for like hacky news, which I, I enjoy Hockey for some reason. News. Yeah. No. I it, like hacky news.
2: Hacky news is fine. I you know the news industry is kind of dying. That's no secret. Um, traditional. The traditional one for sure. Yeah. The traditional, traditional one. News. Um. But I I feel like there's just something, and it's probably because we grew up with it, but there's something charming about hacky news in the holiday season. It kind of all just kind of goes. I don't know what it is. It just goes. It goes well with everything, you know? Oh, yeah. It's like the weather's changing. The news is getting hackier. You're starting to see your family more and more.
1: For me, the highlight of hacky news season comes on New Year's Day, and this is specific to where I'm from because a Pennsylvania Dutch tradition is that on New Year's Day for good luck? You have to eat pork and sauerkraut. Whoa! I know.
2: So you just uh, have I don't, to have like a Bavarian diet for one day.
1: Yes, apparently. Apparently that that means good luck. Uh, but what's so funny to me is that all the news stations cover this. They cover this phenomenon by sending multiple reporters to different like church banquet halls to like ask people about eating pork and sauerkraut, and they do it every year and it seems like the worst assignment cuz it's all it's all old people eating cabbage like the poor reporters just got to stand in that room of just old people and cabbage funk and report about how this is supposed oh. to bring good luck <laughs> like it's the worst assignment and i lo- it, it cracks me up every year cuz it's oh, no. like who cares i like i i don't know but but again it's one of those like well we can write this onto the calendar of news coverage i, I mean I can tell you, having been on that side, it is kind of nice when you can be like, "Well, at least we can write about this thing."
2: Total. Well, yeah, because yeah. it's substantially easier.
1: Oh, for sure. Although the, the the busiest travel day of the year always makes me laugh because they'll do that about four to six times every year. Oh no, we, for we different holidays.
2: It at, yeah, we we've done it like. Uh, I feel like every holiday that comes up, the Weather Channel is out. This is a uh, busy. Busy travel day coming up and then they show you all the airport delays and it's always yeah. It's always the same airports. It's always the same airports, oh, yeah. get totally fucked.
1: Yeah. And, and or people flying to the same like in the winter, if you're flying to northern cities, like you're gonna have more problems. Yeah. Like if you were flying from I mean, obviously that backs everything up, but if you're going like Orlando to, you know, Atlanta, for instance, or Orlando to somewhere else warm, it's like you're not gonna have as many problems. Won't yeah. be as big of a deal. I mean, I just
2: had to get done with like uh, some flying. Um, I did my. I flew to the west coast for the first time.
1: Oh wow! I call it the left coast. The, <laughs> the left coast. It's a Little thing I do. I
2: uh, yeah. So first time on the left coast. Um, it, it was my first uh, like four or five hour flight. Mm-hmm. Um, Surprise! You know, I didn't. I got like three hours of sleep because um, I had a, I had to do like a stand-up thing and then immediately had to go home and pack because I didn't pack at all. Get on the plane. It got delayed multiple times. Finally get on the thing. We fly out and then it's like I had to wait probably three hours for a bus to take me to Hollywood Boulevard because that's where uh, I went out to visit Nick DiLorenzo, Lorenzo, friend of the oh, show. Yes. And, you know, it was just a very long day but it was my first time in L.A. That's uh, cool. I don't think I fully sold out. You know, I did go out there thinking something was going to shake up. I thought, you know, an agent or feature deal.
1: Yeah, I thought they Uh, frequent the airport. Like when you get off your plane, they're just there. and They're standing there waiting.
2: It really blew my mind. You know, I did a couple open mics. I even spent $5. You have to spend $5 to do an open mic there. And I really thought, okay, well, that makes sense. $5 and then maybe you get like a manager. Mm -hmm. But it's just comics. It's like this is what what is this yeah we're literally just gonna workshop material that's all we do here so that's that's a bummer yeah it was a huge bummer (laughs) um but it was really funny the first one i went to was probably the most la open mic because you pay your five bucks uh you go in it's uncomfortable open mic material for Mm. like an hour but they have like a craft services table (laughs) oh wow snacks (laughs) and then afterwards the host comes out and he's like all right who wants to smoke a joint And then all the comics sit out behind this place, which, by the way, is only the back of a clothing store.
1: They always put, there's a lot of mics in weird places out there.
2: Yes. So you're in the stock room of a clothing store. And then you go out back after that. And then you smoke a joint in this alleyway. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is by far the most LA open mic you could ever be at. Um, So that was, I guess, something. You know, I didn't get the agent, but I got got to hit a joint in LA.
1: (laughs) I, I did see a picture of you with Nick at uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live. How was that?
2: That was – Jimmy Kimmel Live was super dope. I got to, to hang out in the green room, which was fun because uh, it looks like a speakeasy. It's like this like lounge. Yeah. You get free beer. You get free wine. They serve food. I had not showered in probably over 24 hours, so I was the gros- – like let me paint this picture for you. Yeah. The people that hang out in the green room are f- friends of most of the producers, so it's like kind of like Hollywood types. A lot yeah. of old people. And then there's me who's just like, I'm wearing a beanie because my hair is so greasy and I just have like a day's worth of travel on me. I just, I feel gross. I look gross. I'm downing Guinness just to kind of get away from the fact of how like, how gross I feel. Yeah. Um, but it was Because if you feel,
1: if you, by the way, great advice, if you feel gross, drink a heavy beer like Guinness. Yeah. Just, It'll make you feel yeah. clean. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, it actually, it's pretty funny because I, I I immediately got a headache from the beer because it's like you forget how dehydrated you are. Oh yeah. When you're traveling and like I like drank two Guinnesses, so I get a migraine. I'm chilling out in the green room. Uh, it's like Ray Romano and Don Johnson. Uh, it's the first day of the impeachment, so it's like the whole monologues about the impeachment hearings.
1: Don Johnson. Yeah, it was like really... the Miami Vice guy. Yes. Oh yes. wow.
2: Because he's in a new movie, Knives Out. Oh, okay. That's, that's a free plug for Don Johnson. You're his welcome, daughter. Don.
1: His daughter's a babe. Is she?
2: Okay. Dakota. Dakota, jo- Dakota yep. Johnson is, that's a great name. It is. But it sounds like a porn name. And for that. Yeah, that's true. It does kind of like, it's got a little bit of a porn touch to it, but we're going to move on from that. And that's her um, real no, name.
1: Defied re- the odds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, yeah, that's the, a real name like that. You should go into porn, but she, she defied the odds and didn't. Good for her.
2: I, I really hope she's like a PhD student at like Emerson or something. Um, mm-hmm. I, I hope she really kind of transcended the whole thing.
1: Although she was in Fifty Shades of Grey, that's ah, oh, that's almost softcore transcend it. God, yeah, damn it. No, 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 that sucks.
2: It was cool. The, the, it was fun. You know, it's weird to be because I've never been in LA, and then on top of that, you're in the screen room, and it's like all these Hollywood types, and then you're seeing like Ray Romano in person and Don Johnson. It's like this is all really weird things and kind of surreal. Yeah. Um. And it's like when you leave it when you leave the building, you're walking out, and like Nick is just casually like, "Oh, and there's the TMZ reporters. They just hang out here, waiting to catch a photo of celebrities." That's like it's weird to see how LA is just clockwork. Yeah, all the cogs are turning. Like everyone knows the moves and what to do.
1: It it's almost like like the whole town is like one giant entertainment factory. Yeah, and it's it's like an ecosystem because you have Jimmy Kimmel Live, you know as a show and they have the guests coming in well then the the tmz reporters and i mean this in a kind way are parasitic in the sense that they're like the the birds that clean the alligator's teeth yeah you know what i mean they kind of get yeah. their content from the alligator that is Jimmy yeah. alive
2: and what tmz is on hollywood boulevard like it's something on, mm-hmm. on it's just casually sitting there um it's really weird i you know I can't necessarily – like, it's a cool place. The city of L.A., pretty ugly. Pretty – pretty uh, surprisingly uglier than what you'd expect. It is just like – there's just homeless people eating out of trash bags filled with rejected, like, scripts or whatever. Yeah, dressed Um, as Spider-Man. Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, Hollywood Boulevard. (laughs) Hollywood Boulevard is a great place to go if you want Superman to harass you. Yeah. Because I I watched it happen in front of me. I watched Superman – verbally harass, like, a European tourist going like, oh, you don't want a fucking picture with me? Yeah. Like, he's, like, upset about it. I'm like, what is happening? I'm uh, like, please get me out of here.
1: I have not been to Los Angeles, but they sound much more surly than their East Coast counterparts with, who are in Times Square. That That's where that happens on the East Coast. Yeah. The, um, the you, you know, where they're kind of just skirting like cease and desist letters from sesame street and disney and stuff like that but yeah like they'll 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 be pushy if you take pictures with them and, and don't pay but like some of the ones i've heard of in, in la are just they sound downright confrontational
2: you know i will say this about la here's a pro homeless people are very nice out in la oh, wow. um this, coming from Atlanta, they're very nice. They just kind of mind their own business. Atlanta, it's a little bit more abrasive. So I'll give LA that. They have, mm-hmm. I would say, probably the best homeless people in the country <laughs> are in LA. I, th-
1: I think it says that on the on the sign when you drive into Los yeah. Angeles County. Nicest yeah, well, homeless people. Welcome to world. Los Angeles. Uh, yeah. what, what
2: is it? The U.S. News and something rankings number oh, one yeah. for homeless people.
1: U.S. News. I don't know what U.S. News does besides rank things, but for some reason that <laughs> gives it, like, <laughs> credibility. It, it sounds like it would be a news organization, but, you know, it just seems like they rank colleges and towns. Yeah, no,
2: that's... I, I don't know. I mean, like, in Orlando, I just remember seeing the one for, the, you know, like, number two in hospitals or whatever the fuck it always should. <laughs> so that's... Good, that was cool. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's so weird, it's very surreal to be, you know, you're on Sunset Boulevard, Hollywood, uh I bet. Melrose Avenue, a, a lot of these places. I got to go to a Comedy Store. I uh, saw, you know, Harlow Williams, uh, Bill Burr, Anthony Jones. It's so like what's crazy about Los Angeles is like what happens daily there is what happens monthly and mostly. Oh
1: yeah. Oh my god. Like you just meant you rattled off 3 big-name comedians that you saw in one evening, Yeah. right? I recently uh, was at a Dan Aykroyd vodka bottle signing, and the line stretched. It was at a liquor store, and it stretched around the entire building. It, it was like a shopping complex is where it was. Around the entire building to the back. Like, it was... People were in line for hours and hours and hours and hours. Um, because... Dan Aykroyd's, uh, you know, kind of like a comedy legend, Uh, but also it's not that common that people come through this area. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so, yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking about things happening monthly, this is a couple times a year, maybe? Yeah, no. Like, where they come through and you can actually meet them, because- Weirdly enough, not far from where I live is a place called Rock Lidditz where like a lot of musicians come because that's where they build uh stages for big tours and things like that and you know, like production yeah, like, yeah. scaffolding. There's a company there that's like one of the, the leaders in the world for that. But you don't get to meet the people. You know, you don't get to see them. They just kind of fly in and then drive there and then leave.
2: Yeah, do their thing, get the hell out of
1: there. Yeah. That's one of the cool things about LA is like it's now just like People don't think anything of it. Like, it's like, oh yeah, you know, the people that are there all the time are like, yeah, Bill Burr dropped in, whatever. And meanwhile, we're kind of like, oh my god, Bill Burr.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's great to go out there and be able to see that level of gentrification up close and personal, um, and see the casualness of their lives. That I, I don't know. It it was cool. It's fun. The weather sounds like a great trip. Yeah, the weather's nice. It's it's not as expensive as you'd think it'd be. Um, homeless people are nice. I'd give LA, you know, a good seven out of ten. That's that's good. That's a good that's score. Pretty good. Yeah, you know, that's two points above average. Yeah,
1: rookie score, but good score.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it left more to be desired. Yeah. Um, which actually, it's funny coming back. I feel like I'm barely catching up, mm-hmm. and like going into this next week, you know, I have to work on Thanksgiving. So it's like I've had no. Yeah. Br- I literally flew back in Atlanta, and then had we had fifth place comedy show come up on me and then i've just been like going ever since and now we're doing this podcast today so and i work on thanksgiving but you know it's <laughs> it's great speaking of like busy news days mm-hmm. we got a holiday yes we do what are you doing for thanksgiving
1: going to my grandparents house got some family coming we're gonna have a killer meal just kind of uh, enjoy the day watch some football drink some beers yeah nice and easy how about uh, yourself there, Ty? You're, you're working. Are they doing anything I, at the Weather Channel? Uh, I think,
2: uh, what is it? Uh, what's the uh, Boston Market? I think we're eating Boston Market. Boston Market's pretty good. And we're making live TV happen.
1: Uh, what better way to celebrate the holiday? Yeah. Although, <laughs> there is one thing, you know, just in case. I know this happens in a lot of places. That that game that you sort of, I, I call it a game. I don't know if game's the right word. But that tradition where you go around the table and you say what you're thankful for. Yeah. Right? You have you you've done that?
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. You, know, you, you tell you, you got to play into it a little bit because it is a holiday.
1: Mm-hmm. you, you
2: yeah. want to let people know that like you're grateful to be a part of something.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and one of the things that is always a problem though when you try to do this is someone has to be at the end towards the back. The of this. the
2: caboose. The caboose yeah, so, of the thankful train.
1: Exactly. So when the th- the, th- the things that people are generally thankful for, like family, food. You know, friends. Once that's all used up, you need something to be thankful for, and it's really kind of tough to think of things sometimes.
2: It it can be. I you know, it's never fun being the last one to go. No. But I think I think we have a solution here at Ty and Matt.
1: I do. Uh, I I, I do as well.
2: Confidence. I I have a little bit of confidence in this. We we kind of me me and Matt. We kind of put our brains together. We we came up with uh, our own little list of things that. You can be thankful for. In case you are, you know, the tail end of this thankful, uh, thankful parade, yep. If you will, for lack of a better word, you know, everyone beat you to all the big pillars: the family, the friends, the food, the God, the everything. Yep. So here are what, what do we got? Like ten things. I think
1: we have ten. Yeah.
2: Okay, which perfect number to be on? Perfect the, round the good number. Good for lists. Great for lists. Perfect for lists. No one's going to take you. If we had eleven, I'd scrap the bit. Yeah, um, and no
1: one's ever done like top 10 lists before in media no. so oh no.
2: i mean this is new ground it is new ground i usually it stops at five sometimes i do like a seven it's like what is that
1: buzzfeed does like like 27 or something like that sometimes and it's not huge even numbers. words it's, it's like
2: memes and gifs like I, I don't what does this even mean no i know it's uh, terrible so i'm gonna i'm gonna kick us out we'll go back go and for forth it. here um so let, let's you know we got through all the pillars here we're getting to the tail end Here's something that you can easily throw out. This is a get. This is a free one, and I'm surprised you guys didn't think of it first. And I am judging you on it. But you can always be thankful for stigma-free day drinking.
1: Oh, one of the great things about Thanksgiving, for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, you only get this when you're tailgating. You know, yeah. it's a noon game. Guess what? You're drinking at nine in the morning. It's fine.
1: Yep. The second the parade starts, I say you're allowed to start drinking. That's what
2: you. You rarely get it. And honestly, you almost never get it where you can just get drunk in front of the grandparents at what, like 11? Yeah. You know, you show up with the green bean casserole and it's like, hey, Grandpa, where's the Jack?
1: Yeah, no better pairing than green bean casserole and Jack. I've said it before. I'll say it again. (laughs) Just pour it right on top. Oh, yeah. All right. I've got one for you. Something else to be thankful for. We all love football. Not only football, though. The Fox turkey trophy that they give out to the winner of the game airing on Fox yeah thankful for that little that little added bit of pageantry really makes it special I mean it's just a regular season game in Detroit but that that little that little trophy just makes it just a tad bit more special it makes it iconic you can throw that out and immediately I think you're in
2: the good favor of most people because you're hitting two things that everyone kind of likes you know They like football, and they like awards that really don't have a lot of meaning behind them.
1: Exactly. People love the Grammys.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, all right, we're going to keep this thing rolling here. Uh, Here's another thing you can be thankful for. Maybe this is one that you maybe hold a little bit closer to your chest. I don't know. You can shoot it out whenever you want, but you can Mm -hmm. always be thankful for the hot cousin that's only your second cousin. Oh, yeah. And you don't have to say it like that. You can just be like, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for uh, Jessica's top.
1: Yeah. Yeah, or just what say What does that I'm... actually mean, you know? No. Just say I'm thankful for Jessica and move on. Yeah. Like you don't need don't need to elaborate, but we all everyone kind of knows what
2: you're actually thankful for. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, we I mean,
2: dad gets it.
1: Yeah. a little knowing knowing wink. Yeah. Also, you know, there there's another cousin you can be thankful for. And that's okay. the one cousin who's less successful than you. Oh, of course. Because they take a lot of the heat. Yeah. And Always that's helpful. another one you don't really elaborate.
2: You're like, hey, you know who I'm thankful for? Jacob.
1: Yeah, except they'll go, Why? Like he's that unsuccessful. People are like, Why are you thankful for him? He's a deadbeat. No one and you're like, on the nose. Yeah. That's exactly why. Yeah, yeah. Well,
2: that's another one where they kind of like, you know, your dad gets it too. He's just kind of yeah. like,
1: all right, take, take
2: some of that away from yourself.
1: Think, Thanksgiving dinner is just a lot of like knowing glances and nodding to your dad like you you guys are on the same wavelength
2: yeah, yeah. No, we, <laughs> we get it um another thing you can be thankful for here this is uh this is our sponsored one of the day because mm-hmm. um, there's actually no money in podcasting nope. uh you can always be thankful for jewel Yes. Jewel's, here's there's many reasons why you should be thankful for Juul. The big one is it gets all of your nicotine fix out in the bathroom. You know, you don't have to take that weird walk you do after dinner. You're just like, oh, I'm gonna go walk down the street, guys, work off some of the calories. Yep. And then you come back and you reek of cheap cologne. Yeah. Just do it in the bathroom. It smells like mango now. You're welcome, blow Grandma. S-
1: blow some fat clouds with a creme brulee Juul pod. Hell uh, yeah. And uh, come right back to the table. Keep shoveling food into your stupid face. Hell yeah. Yeah, I like that one. You know what else is a good one for this year? You can be thankful that Martin Scorsese's The Irishman is available on Netflix.
2: Some might also think that's sponsored, but I want you guys to know we came up with that one honestly.
1: No. I mean, it is getting all sorts of accolades in the press. It's being called one of the greatest movies of the year. It's a sure Oscar bet, but, you know. And if
2: you go to Netflix right now and you put Ty and Matt Shell in, you do get 10% off your subscription. But this is... Honestly, this was just a thing that we kind of came up with. Because like Irishman, it's a great movie. It's, you can watch it with the family. You can watch oh, it with friends. You can tie. watch it by
1: yourself. De Niro, Pacino, Pesci. I mean, what else do you need? Come on, what a film.
2: I just, yeah. So this is, I, and I, I'm actually, I think you'll get what I'm saying on this next one. Okay. What you can, and this is a big one. You can always be thankful for those tiny nuances of the NFL catch rules. Oh, yeah. Think oh, yeah. about it, it.
1: Is it a catch? Is it not a catch? Did he have possession? My favorite is: Did he make a football move? That's my favorite. Like, <laughs> like, make- like, like, not just a move. It's got to be a football move. He he made a move, but it was more of a a, 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 a curling move. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: It wasn't yeah. a football. Uh, move. Is that a toe? Did the toe? Did the shoelace drag? <laughs> yeah. With the, that you need that kind of small talk to really get some of that some of that spotlight away from you when it comes to that post-grad unemployment. You know, exactly. you don't have to address it.
1: Yeah, instead of talking about what kind of job you're getting, you can be reminding one family member that in the NFL, you need two feet inbounds instead of just one, they're thinking of college.
2: Yeah, yeah, so whenever anyone kind of gives you, like, a loaded question, like, hey, how's, how's the dating world going? Or, you know, how's the job search? You just go, like, you just look at the TV real fast, and you're like, hey, is that a catch?
1: Yeah, you, you just need, you need... Uh, Let's see who's going to be playing that day. Matt Stafford. You need him to bomb one into the back corner of the end zone. It'll happen. Yeah. It'll happen. Totally. Uh, Another thing you can always be thankful for. This is a bottom of the barrel one, but I mean, everyone's thankful for it. The diverse musical catalog of Queen. Something for every occasion. I'd say that that's something to be thankful for.
2: Yeah. Just put it on in the background.
1: Yeah. Whether you need somebody to love or, uh, you know, perhaps you're the champions. Um, There's always something. You, you need a catalog. band that
2: can transcend any kind of environment, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. they have delicate songs. So you can just as you're eating Thanksgiving, you know, dinner, I mean, you don't really eat it at dinner time, you eat it kind of early in the day. yeah, but you know you put off put on their softer ballads.-
1: mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's that diverse. it's worth being thankful for alongside God and family
2: and I, and again, we got this organically, but if you do go to Spotify. Yeah. And you spotify.com promo backslash code, slash
1: promo code time at 10.
2: Time at 10. You will get 10% off that subscription as well. But again, we got to the like Queen's just a great band, you know, oh, very totally. diverse. You know, God bless Freddie Mercury. God bless Queen.
1: I think he died on this date. We're recording on Sunday, uh, November 24th. I believe he died today in
2: 1991 is, or
1: folks. whatever. M- magic
2: uh and then and then this is gonna be my last one here uh a little sappy but we can always be thankful for grandma oh yeah you know she's the glue that's barely holding this whole thing together i mean like what would the family be without grandma
1: not not the same that's for sure
2: absolutely absolutely and and matt i'm
1: gonna let you conclude it and the last thing you can be thankful for goblins so there you go. We have a great yeah. interview today. Yeah, speaking of goblins. It's another thing to be thankful for. Yeah, speaking of goblins, great interview. Uh,
2: Liam Nelson. Liam Nelson. Yeah. Uh, I don't really want to take too much away from him because he's, he's done a lot. We do have a long interview coming up, guys, so strap in, get ready for it.
1: Liam Nelson. <laughs> I'm throwing
2: right to it okay i'm sorry i love when that happens but you gotta give me this look where i'm like oh he's got something big
1: to say (laughs) no no it was an accident i must just Uh, do that by accident i had nothing uh, to say
2: oh my god i i you know what is this i think this is like our second or third episode where i do that where i'm like he looks like he's got something i like toss the ball and you're like no no no, right back to you no i I just drop it
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right here it is great interview we get into it real quick it's it's really interesting he's an interesting fella (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Liam
2: Nelson. laughs> ladies and gentlemen liam nelson and we're here with liam nelson liam what's going on how's it going guys i feel like i come in with like immediately so much energy
0: it's a lot it's of gusto overwhelming I, it is I'm, i know it makes me feel like i'm i'm getting swept up into this wave of podcast you know well,
1: that's, that's what that's what we're going for yeah yeah exactly
2: yeah. that's Drowning the producer podcast. notes on the on the show um, L- Liam, Liam, let's start here. Uh, tell us what you're about. Tell us where you're from.
0: Uh, I'm from Atlanta, uh, which is rare for people in the industry in Atlanta. Um, I yeah, I'll start with just where I'm from. I'm from Atlanta. I've been working in production since I was twelve. Uh,
1: yeah. What well, what sort of project- production jobs can you get when you're twelve?
0: So. My own ones. Uh, Okay. I grew up in the entertainment industry in Atlanta. So I've kind of grown, you know, back before the film industry kind of had its own section of Atlanta that was just kind of like it was looped in with like live entertainment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I grew up with a lot of really talented video and film professionals kind of around me. And then when I was 12 and decided to write my first 30 minute short, I was able to convince... An entire team of 15 industry professionals to come take direction <laughs> from a 12 year old uh, and help me make my first 30 minute short which is you know the script is hot garbage but everything else about it is cool and it, it was a, an experience that i definitely like appreciate because i was able to you know just jump right into it and see this thing that i maybe wanted to do and just kind of like do it at the scale of what i intended to do it in the future so it was a great experience and then you know just like being continuing down that road and working with these same people as i get older too it's it's really fun to show up to a set now and see like the dp from my short film when i was 12 (laughs) and be like oh cool so like i'm actually producing now so uh, thank you for being nice to me when i was a child now we're both professionals so this will go a lot smoother
1: (laughs) oh wow
2: Wait, so you you're you're 20 at the moment, correct? Yeah. So 12 years old so you that was almost the cusp of when the the tax incentives hit Georgia. So you were like right there at the beginning of this whole like wave of film industry that just I have like... gotten
0: so crazy lucky growing up in Atlanta at the time that I did around the people that I did because like if I, you know, no matter you have those days when you're like oh i don't think i do well at these things oh man like you're hard on yourself but i don't think i could ever be i can ever knock my ability to connect with people and having all these connections means that whenever you know i have a production mentor who came over from la who's a, a former music or is a music video director and producer who's done you know commercials for mattel uh, done like won several music video awards uh she uh, came over and now I am her like go-to person when she wants to crew up something or when she wants to, you know, explore something that's kind of outside of the norm or I'm just able to be that like contact person to get people connected with other talented people. And I think that's something I really enjoy doing.
2: Hell. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. No, that is absurd.
1: That That, I'm going to, I'm going to go out. That that was uh, one of the more, uh, Interesting 3 minutes of podcasting we've had at the I, top of an interview.
2: I'm so happy you acknowledge <laughs> that cuz like usually it is like 10 minutes of us meandering and right. like we're talking weather. I mean, we're talking maybe a skin tag on one Dude, of our guests, but I told
0: you I've done uh, like I, I enjoy talking about myself and I've gotten pretty good at it i i feel like i'm being such a dick right now but no, no. i
2: know i know it, it you know honestly on the outside looking in you sound like a dick but right. it's fine because <laughs> you're allowed you're allowed to because like literally in five minutes we have probably hit such an interesting point in this because it's like you are almost the forest gump of the atlanta <laughs> film industry because you just fucking like fell into a bunch of things right <laughs> and i feel like at this point like do you do you actively know where you're at now? Like you making conscious decisions of like, I want to go this direction. Or are you just still kind of in the state of like, hey, let's see.
0: I think so. That's that's actually kind of interesting because it's like I'm I think for the first time in my life, I'm finally kind of evolving out of the stupid kid just like accidentally stumbling into great opportunities. Um, I think it's been like three years. I've kind of started growing out of that uh but i i think now we i just incorporated my own independent production company and i have people who we've been forming our business around ourselves for the first time and it's been you know it's not like oh i'll see what happens next year it's like oh i have these you know 10 clients lined up for next year you know so it's there's a lot more agency there uh and i feel like i'm actively like like you said like actively moving in a direction for the first time but While I'm pursuing this one direction, I still—I mean, obviously, I owe most of what I've been able to do to the fact that I, you know, have had these opportunities pop up and I've been able to like take advantage of them. So obviously, I'm I'm still so open to things happening like that because you know you never know. Because I like something recently I started doing that was a totally out of the blue kind of thing was creature acting. Uh, I. Was Bigfoot in a movie that just premiered at the Austin Film Festival? I uh, am going to work with the uh, creative director for Your Pretty Face Is Going to Hell on a few passion projects, and that might make, get me onto bigger sets as a creature actor. So it's like, you know, that's another little way that I could meet, you know, important folks and make better connections just through something unique about me. So it's like mm-hmm. you never know what's going to pop up, but I I do think I'm finally like moving in a direction.
1: Now you mentioned creature acting. I don't think we mentioned it. We, we were talking before we hit record here, but I don't think we've mentioned it on the podcast. What is it that makes that a uh, suitable line of work for yourself?
0: Yeah, so I'm seven feet tall, uh, and I move like a monster, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is okay. Monetizable, so you know it's it's fine. Um, yeah. N- not
1: everyone can do that. That yeah. that's not a skill set everyone has in their toolbox.
0: Yeah, and it's fun. Uh, I've been. Chewbacca at events since I was like 15 Uh, and so it's kind of taught me that and coupled with I have a genetic disorder which kind of makes me uncomfortable all the time Uh, so I'm like used to being uncomfortable which is the base of like creature acting when you're you know getting prosthetics put on yourself for eight hours Mm -hmm. Uh, I can do that because I'm just used to like not being comfortable in my own body so like just slap some some prosthetics on the outside you know
2: (laughs) So wait, hold on. Well, genetic, like, do you mean like anxiety? What do you mean uncomfortable?
0: Yeah, so uh, it's a genetic disorder called Marfan syndrome. Basically, all the connective tissue that holds my body together is fundamentally more elastic and flawed. And uh, it affects all of my body systems. So up until about 20 years ago, you maybe had 30 years to live with Marfan syndrome. Uh, now you can live a full life as long as you monitor your health and kind of watch your own physical limits. Um so, you know, the, the main thing they watch is, like, your aorta, which is the main valve of your heart. Uh, a normal person's aorta, as you exercise, would expand and contract with the blood flow. Ours just expands, and like a balloon, the bigger it gets, the thinner the walls, and the easier it is to dissect. So, if I were to, let's say, play professional basketball and not go to the doctor every six months, I, my heart would explode, which is fun. Jeez. Yeah.
2: That, okay, so what what do you do to like stay healthy with it? is there anything like-
0: so i take a specialty like blood pressure medication called losartan which helps regulate it but i mean it's really just being aware of my physical limits being uh i'm actually pretty lucky uh my i've had one major chest reconstruction surgery i've had uh two major leg surgeries but other than that, I've been fine and I know, you know, kids who before the age of like 10 have had like six open heart surgeries. So uh, I'm, I'm rather like, I- I'm pretty lucky. Uh, and so I-, I really just have to go in, get an echocardiogram every six months and just like, have a rapport with my doctor about you know what all i can and can't do and then just like this sense of independence i had to become independent really quickly and i think a lot of this stuff with the genetic disorder kind of factors into my career in production which i can kind of dip into later um but like it's it's this you know this thing that's constantly over my head but i i have stopped letting it like control me and it just informs my decisions now
2: So, moral of this, like, first 10 minutes here is that you're an incredibly lucky person in a lot of different ways, uh, both professionally and health-wise at this point, because, I mean, like, you could literally, it sounds like you could almost die at any moment with this.
0: I mean, I could, yeah. If someone were to come up and just really just sock me in the heart, that's, that's, (laughs) that's, that's, that's a wrap.
2: Well, that's good to know. Don't ever bump me in the scene. Um, right. Which is actually...
1: <laughs> I was going to say, when Ty punches someone, it's straight to the heart. Straight it's to, mean, the he heart. Always, always to the heart. He always...
2: Kill shot. Right. Uh, um, I, well, that's actually a perfect segue because how, I've met you personally. Uh, right. Matt has not because um, mm-hmm. we we do a nomadic podcast here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Matt is... Wherever he is at any given moment, yeah. um, he's really down and out, uh, circling the toilet, but... Uh, yeah, I'm right. here in Atlanta. I, I do stand up comedy and you you keep coming to this dark dank bar that I do my show at. Right. So what what's the deal? Why are you doing you have all this stuff going on in production. Why stand up comedy?
0: So yeah, I mean I think I've because it's been a part of my life for so long and because it's been such a regular part of my life for so long, uh Excuse me. I need uh, an opportunity to do something just for me uh, and so I started actually shooting for a few local comedians Will Foskey, uh, Brian King uh, and that and I actually got a bucket spot at your show and went up and uh, felt good about it and enjoyed it and it's something that I you know I've always considered doing but I, I never really like found an excuse to just dive in and that that's what I needed and you know meeting you guys and hanging out like your show is one of the ones where i feel very comfortable so i i, I feel good like coming back and I I still, I still shoot a lot of the shows even if I'm not going up so it gives me an opportunity to kind of get more embedded in the stand up scene by being the guy who will shoot your set high quality cuz i have a Blackmagic Pocket 4K so you know that's much higher quality than Jeez, most Brad. of the other <laughs> most of the other you know random guys who will come film your your comedy set yeah Um, and so yeah
1: oh sorry but i was gonna say for those that don't know what he just described is a very nice camera
0: it's yeah it's a very nice um yeah so it's you know being able to use that as a tool to kind of get in deeper and then also you know the people i shoot for have been helping and you guys have been helping me kind of introduce me to the community i don't know it's just been a fun like stand-up is very much a fun thing for me so it's it's connected to production in that i do video for stand-up comics and I do eventually want to do uh, my own show out in Marietta. I want to do uh, comedy specials for people. I just shot something for uh, Neil Nanda who came out from LA. Uh, he, I shot like a 45-minute special for him at a, at a big show in Atlanta. So it's like i I love stand-up my whole life and I, I would love to pursue it production-wise but also like the doing stand-up is always going to be like a me thing.
2: Okay, so – I mean, I I guess is the end goal to be kind of a a producer of comedy at some point? Because it sounds like the performance aspect, you're not, that's just totally for fun. That is like a hobby.
0: You know, I do want to, like, obviously I want to grow and get better at performing stand-up. But I think, you know, I think I just want to tack on the ability to produce stand-up specials onto my existing, you know, video business. You know, it's like incorporating that hobby that I love into The work that i do
2: i mean not a lot of people get to do that so i i understand what you're saying so if you could make a a special for any name brand comedian right now who would be your favorite comic to make a special for if you could like plan it out let's say next month
0: well so it's it's funny because i don't uh there's this guy Mike Falzone out from L.A. He's a he's, he's like a crowd work comic primarily. But I, I actually am going to be shooting a show for him up in Nashville. But he's like one of my favorite comics of all time. And just through like shooting for Neil and a couple other people that he knows, I was able to reach out and be like, hey, I see you're coming to the south. Like, can I come out and shoot for you? So it's yeah.
2: Wow. Mike Falzone. Yeah. OK.
1: I think that's so interesting because um, when you think of like stand up specials, they're they're pretty simple on a like a surface level, mm-hmm. but the best stand up specials you've ever seen, you in like the universal sense, always have something. They're always like shot in a way that you, you almost can't put your finger on when you're watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just kind of accentuates the comedy itself. Is that sort of one of the enjoyable aspects of shooting comedy? Is is trying to find those little things that's going to make a special kind of stand out from the crowd.
0: <laughs> that's a, that's a funny use of terms because that's the name of my feature documentary we'll what, get what, what? The, oh, the <laughs> yeah um, but yeah no it's uh it's it's fun i i actually most of the time when i'll shoot you know casually out at bars i'll actually just leave it i i'll shoot 4k and I'll just like zoom and post but yeah like having you know little things where you track them you you add that in element of like dynamics to what they're doing and you know eventually when we do get our own show that we shoot specials at uh, we're gonna have you know three cameras, one like roaming behind the audience. Like we'll be able to really uh, get it to exactly like like have that element of dynamics and and accentuate exactly what what you're talking about. Like really help emphasize the the punchlines and help them convey their message just on, in the visual medium too. Like not just relying on what you're hearing, but like what you're seeing should help that.
2: Wow. Yeah, I mean, uh that, that's kind of the direction especially the Netflix ones are going. I think mm-hmm. uh there's one by like Jimmy Carr, his most recent yeah. one where it's like it is a ton of production value. Like at some points like they almost have either like a jib or a steady cam coming out and almost like half circling him and yeah. it's absurd like how much is being put into what once was just maybe two three camera setups back in the 70s and 80s and it's now right jibs, multi-cam setups. Uh, because I, I think
0: it's worth it. You know, it's it's like like you said, that's some of the best, those are the best specials, not just because you love the comedian, but because you love what you're seeing, you know, and it's, you, you want a, a, a fun a fun viewing experience for the people who do decide to sit down and watch it.
1: Uh, that That's so true. I'll tell you, one like one of the specials I always think of when I think of like favorite comedy specials, I forget the name. So yeah, it sure sounds like it's my favorite, but <laughs> the, the, the black and white Bill Burr special. Mm-hmm. Always uh, stood out to me, just oh, simply because it looks different. In, that's in Atlanta, not Paper
2: Tiger, right? No,
1: uh, Paper Tiger was the new that one. Was the next one, yeah. Yeah, the, the previous one. you the name about, of
2: it. He did that literally. Uh, wasn't that at like Buckhead Theater or something? He did. It I think in so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. was it really? Yeah. Um, I don't know the name of the special either. But uh, as much as, as the computer. I'd love to go uh, deep in a stand-up, trust me, but I think there's there's more interesting things here to get to because I, I recently. Uh, was at Liam's studio uh, where he, he, he works on a, a bunch of different projects. Uh, but there is one specifically that I want you to talk about. And I think you know which one I'm trying to get at here, Liam. So I'm the gonna... puppet one. Of course. Fuck- yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, come everyone, on. Everyone Don't be coy. The puppet one.
0: Well, uh, <laughs> it's puppets. I, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I work with the former voice and puppeteer for Kermit the Frog, Ernie, a bunch of other Muppet characters. And we produce a live show once a month that's like a call-in. Uh, a call-in show with an internet troll character named Weldon the IT guy. IT stands for internet troll. And he basically just takes calls from viewers, uh, wants to hear how miserable their week was. Uh, he's been you know, raised to be this mean troll, but he has a heart of gold, and so we're still really like getting into his character. But uh, we do little interstitial segments every week, or not every week, every month, whenever we do the show. Uh, usually it's some sort of parody, Of something so we'll do either a song parody with elaborate costumes and uh, he's actually you know learned Apple motion specifically to you know do these elaborate like compositions with all these puppets so we'll shoot like four different characters we'll shoot everything on our green screen so we'll shoot like four different characters uh, all in different costumes all you know interacting with one another so just like doing four different takes and we've learned how to like layer all of these characters so we can see everything live while we're recording the next take. So it's, uh, we, but we have had the opportunity to get a lot of uh, celebrities who are on the shows that we are par- parodying. Uh, like st- we did one last month for Stranger Things. Uh, it was called Stronger Thongs. Uh, but we got uh, the guy who plays Dustin and the girl who plays his girlfriend in Stranger Things uh, to help us kind of intro the piece a little bit. Uh, because he does these comic cons uh, and we just go out there with a green screen and it's like hey can we have 10 minutes of your time to come watch this video and just come do a little like intro segment with us and it's who's gonna say no to the guy who was like the voice of their childhood you know
1: oh yeah you you can't turn down Kermit the Frog yeah
0: we initially started by doing uh an interview show live from the comic cons but when it's just me, him, and his wife, and he and his wife both, ha- both had to operate the puppet and I had to operate the live switcher, switching between three cameras live at a Comic-Con where the internet is, you never know. Uh, and it, we have to get there by throwing everything, like including an entire set, uh, lighting, cameras, like live production gear, all in the back of my Ford Flex along with all of our luggage and drive to Kentucky. Uh, it's just it's just not something that was like realistic to keep doing, uh, so we have kind of shifted to doing some pre-recorded segments at the Comic Cons that we'll roll into like the mid-roll of our live show.
2: The craziest thing you said there was that there's actually hopes and dreams in Kentucky, right? Um, that okay, that's what I really want to get to. What, what so where do you want to take? where do you want to take this? Like, where does this go from here? So you guys are producing, you know, Weldon, the IT guy. Where where does it go though?
0: I think for right now, we're just kind of establishing our audience and and growing the people who watch the show and kind of reintroducing him to the public because uh, he was very publicly fired by Disney for, uh, because he put up too much of a fight on character changes. So they're like, ah, we know you've been working here for 40 years, but, we don't want you anymore, goodbye, uh, over the phone. They're like, oh, sorry. Like, they had been telling him he's going to be a creative producer, uh, but then one day they just decided they were tired of him, you know, putting up a fight on character changes with Kermit uh, because he was trying to kind of preserve Jim's legacy. And they just fired him uh, and and tried to make it seem like he was retiring. Uh, and then he had to go on this big public, campaign against disney for doing that uh so you know he he really went through this hard time he he had his brand like they tried to really defame him like they called him like a mean bitter old man which is the funniest thing in the world to me because i've worked i'd say 300 hours straight with this man in a cold damp studio uh and not once has he gotten frustrated not once has he has he like raised his voice at me he's never been that mean old man he has been incredibly kind and patient and a great like project partner for everything here um so it's you know having this like really giving him that phoenix from the ashes story and like giving him this new thing for everyone who cares about him to latch back onto and then we also have other projects that are much larger uh one of which we hope to shoot a pilot for within the next year uh that we would pitch to something like netflix but for now we just want to kind of like give him give his audience somewhere to start you know
2: wow all right well liam it might it might be safe to say you're the the busiest guy in atlanta uh because that is it's a lot of things going on
0: yeah so you should feel honored that i come out to your show every other thursday
2: Uh, believe (laughs) me i i am it's it's why i let you put your name in the bucket right Uh, right not just anyone
0: you have to be this good. You'd see me holding my hand up right above my head. You must be this good at comedy to put your name in the fifth place bucket. Exactly.
2: <laughs> so, so wow. Th- okay. That was like a, that was a lot there. One, I mean, fuck Disney. Um, <laughs> which it's so great to say that yep. and like not have to justify it. Because usually when you say fuck Disney, it's like, you have to go like, well, for X, Y, and Z. But it's like. Uh, no, you, get, yeah. you gave me a very accurate reason as to why we Disney's have, a very frustrating company. We have yeah. a
0: bit with the international character where he has a Mickey Mouse club. He has, like, a club, and we call it his Mickey Mouse club, and he eats mice with it. He, like, kills mice. <laughs> <and> like. <eat. laughs> uh, so in our little channel trailer, the first thing we ever posted with this character, he was like, "Eeny, meeny, Minnie, Mickey, and then, like, ate the little mice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wonder what that's about.
0: Right. Uh, we have a whole, like, parody of the Mickey Mouse Club theme song, which is just, like, a bad rap song about the troll mob that <laughs> we're going to do eventually. We have it <laughs> shot. We just haven't put it out yet.
2: Which, l- let me get this correct. So, people call into this show.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: How does that work?
0: Uh, we run it through Discord. So, it's basically just we have one moderator who's uh, a family member of Steve's. And then we have uh, – he's, like – Our Discord moderator who will we have like channels like like a queue system basically So it's like third from live second from live first from live And then I just drag people into the live channel of the discord whenever it's time And so we just record via that. It's kind of like what we're doing now Um, But it's a little little easier to navigate like having people constantly coming in and out Uh, So yeah, I'll just be there Uh, luckily our show now is just one camera and then one like roll in video in the middle. So I can focus on moderating the discord and making sure that people are coming in at a good speed and kind of giving him frantic hand signals when we, you know, need another second before we take a call or that kind of thing.
1: Oh yes. Live television. Yep. The hand signals.
0: Yep. We're all in. So it all takes place in that, that studio that Ty saw. We uh, we just, Built our own green screen. We've kind of designed the studio to be what we need it to be. Uh, we share it with my mom's entertainment company, uh, and they used to have all these costumes all over the floor. And so we've built like custom pulley systems to like get them up into the ceiling. We've gotten, you know, a custom lighting grid built. We've gotten, uh, we built a 10 by 13 foot green screen, blue screen that flips over. Um, but yeah, so we've kind of just turned it into a, a usable space for us, and we're, we're, we make it work, you know?
1: That's awesome, uh, and and where can people see this? By the way, I don't think we plugged yeah, specifically. Yeah, so where we can... Uh,
0: you can check us out uh, if you want to see any of the Caven stuff. It's uh dot website. We have a, a catalog of all of our previous episodes, or you can check out our YouTube channel Caven. It's a uh, cave slash in, and you'll see uh, you'll 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 be able to tell which one it is because it's the little furry creature, uh, and there's probably not many of those on YouTube.
2: <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. Um, no, that's true. <laughs> It's open access on that thing. Uh, so, where does this? So we, we we've covered all this. What do you want to do? Because you're you're 20. You're at an age where, usually at 20, most people are directionless. Let's be right. completely honest. I mean, I'm 24, and I still think I'm gonna actually amount to something. So like you see what I mean? Like a lot of us are deluding ourselves. Right. So, yep. so at 20 do you find yourself at any kind of crossroads or are you just like, no, I know exactly what I'm doing and it's this direction?
0: As of now, I'm currently sacrificing my mental well-being to pursue all things at once. Um, so it's like, I, I think I'm, no, I, I, I'm fine. I just need to, I, I need to get better at organizing all these different things in my own head. Uh, but I, you know, right now I feel like it's not worth making any definite lines in the sand and I think I've done well in making everything at least slightly related to each other so I can uh, I have a team of two video partners who are a part of my business and so uh, for certain things I can pass to them I am working on a feature documentary right now to kind of give you a sense of like all the different worlds that I am existing in so I'm doing stand-up video stand-up specials kind of stuff i'm doing a feature documentary that's i've been working on for three years that i'll definitely talk about in a bit um and then i have this live show and then i have my commercial business where we do commercials we do video like event video we do all that and then i do photography as well so it's like but luckily the ones that are taking up a ton of my time happen to exist in a way that i can do them all at once you know so I think eventually I will have to kind of focus my attention on one area or another. But for now, I think I'm very much able to be uh, all over the place, you know?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you, if you say so, you know what? I, I will take your word on it because there are many a weeks where I feel so stretched thin that I'm like, why did I sign up for anything? <laughs> why didn't yeah. I just go to work this week?
0: Yeah, but see the difference between you and me. I, I just don't complain out loud. You know, I I keep it. I keep <laughs> <Even> it all. <laughs> out,
1: <laughs> that's the healthy how, way. Yeah, that's yep. how God
0: intended. Just hold I'm it all Irish in. Emotions. <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right. So, three years on a featured doc. See. Yeah. What? What? First off, explain what the doc is, and then why is it three years?
0: Yeah. So, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I have this thing called Marfan syndrome, and I decided I wanted to make some sort of documentary about Marfan syndrome when I was 16 after I had a major chest reconstruction surgery because uh, my kind of experience with Marfan syndrome was I was diagnosed when I was 11 years old and up until that point, everyone I had ever met, including everyone I cared about, had told me like, oh, basketball's the only thing you're allowed to do, Um, so go do that. Uh, And then all of a sudden, that one thing was taken away from me Uh, by this health issue and coupled with the fact that when I went home and Googled Marfan syndrome, the first thing I saw was you'll die before you're 30 um, Because that just used to be the case. So I I went through this really big moment of I had everything in my life change I went into a really dark place for a while and you know, while I was Still pursuing production. it, It helped me recontextualize what I enjoyed to do. So i I realized that you know, I'm not gonna keep playing basketball because this is what everyone else wants me to do. I'm gonna do the thing that I would always do when I would skip basketball practice, which is make movies in my backyard. Uh, and so I, I did start pursuing what I loved, but I didn't do it with any sort of like permanency. I didn't do it with any hope for a future because I was just doing it because I enjoyed it, which I guess is a good way to kind of find what you actually love is to think that you're dying and like have a, only a certain <laughs> amount of time to do something. so. Uh, but so I was in a really dark place, really just not motivated for a few years until I got to go to a conference put on by a nonprofit called the Marfan Foundation, which is uh, a nonprofit I now work for. They advocate and create community for people like me. Uh, and basically, I met hundreds of other people with the same disorder, a lot of them in their 60s and 70s, people who had done exactly what they wanted to do with their life and retired uh, all in one weekend. And it kind of helped me open that door to my future. But I thought I was kind of late to the party on this whole thing because when you show up at a conference where people have been coming for years, you're like, oh, I guess, you know, everyone kind of was already well adjusted to this whole thing. I'm just kind of showing up here late. Uh, but <laughs> I, I realized uh, both that I was not alone in this experience and that kind of revealed what the doc, the story of the doc needed to be when I met a kid named Oli Johnson. I helped organize a camp for kids with Marfan syndrome and I still am um, like the head. Uh, boys counselor there every summer, uh, where and Oli Johnson I met my first year. He was 13 at the time and he had dislocated eye lenses, which means he could see shape and color but no detail. But he's a cartoonist, and he's an incredibly talented young cartoonist. So meeting this kid who, you know, the thing keeping him from thinking that he had a career in art was not the fact that he could barely see. It was the fact that he didn't think that he had a future to pursue art with. Uh, But then meeting me and a couple other people just a little further along helped him the same way that the conference helped me. So we're basically just trying to take the stories that inspired Oli and I and distill it into a digital format to get out to people who can't necessarily go to a conference or a camp like that. Uh, And then also it's a story that I feel like is more broadly appealing than... uh, than just people with marfan syndrome uh we've we've done a fundraising tour up up and down the east coast where we did three events one in new york one in north carolina and one in atlanta and we had a lot of people who uh came out who didn't know anyone with marfan syndrome didn't have any you know prior experience with any sort of genetic disorder but they still connected with the story because it's compelling it's widely compelling because it's telling a unique story i think a lot of people are really afraid to like focus in on Uh, very specific things they think not enough people will identify with it but because we're telling their stories and we're allowing people to really meet these people I think it's it's really a, a way to get a larger audience to care about people like us you know
2: yeah
1: yeah totally I I think that's a great point that you you know even if the story itself is specific it's it can kind of offer a, a wider appeal. And, and people that may not have, you know, experiences with, like you said, Marfan syndrome or other genetic disorders, I can totally see, even even just thinking about how I would watch a documentary like that and be like, you know, find it, it, it inspiring to go after the things I want to do, do what I want to do. I can t- totally see that being a like mass something appeal for both sort of, of you documentary.
0: Guys, uh, we, one of our subjects is a, a, a wonderful gal named Andy Erickson, who was uh, third place, last comic standing a few years back. Uh, she has Marfan syndrome, talks about it on stage. So, like you know, even if you take nothing else away, you get to see a comic doing well and like hear her talk about how she, you know, turned her circumstances into comedy. you know
2: i I, I think what out of all of that was really kind of surprising is like a, a lot of people almost take anything as a reason not to pursue something, not to do yeah. something. And it's crazy to see this community of people that kind of you know you get dealt a bad hand and yet they still find all the angles you can with that you know what i mean they're they're playing every opportunity they absolutely can so it's almost weird and it's almost kind of a comment on the human condition where it's just like it's almost when life punches you kind of in the throat a little bit is when you start (laughs) or the actually yeah more accurately the heart uh when you actually start giving more of a A fuck about what you want to do and you just don't kind of you don't get held down by things like it's so funny to see people that are in perfect healthy condition Mm -hmm. you know the most they can say is maybe they got a splinter when they were a kid and they will find any reason not to do what they want
0: yeah i think that it's funny because i don't ever want to be that guy who's like looking down from some sort of ivory tower but The thing that bothers me most in people like as soon as i see this and i'm immediately turned off of a person is this element of like complacency and just like being okay with just existing in like you know relying on others like you know living with your parents forever like that like 30 year old dude who lives with his parents in his basement like that that person i could never feel a connection with because it's you know they're basically squandering this perfectly healthy existence that i still don't have but that I just realized that I like could get a fraction of, you know, like they don't have to worry about.
2: Well, because uh, now You're going into like supervillain territory. Right. Right. Now. right. Be careful.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm going to come out there and I'm going to steal that life force. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, I'm, but really it's like, it's, I, I've had to do so much to kind of overcome obstacles in order to just live in the way that they get to anyway. And just to see them like not care kind of kind of bugs me you know
2: mm-hmm. yeah i mean you'll never beat it it's just it's one of those things that's always going to exist where people it's almost like you, they want to be convinced that they just can't do something even though it's like you can point to i mean look at this person whose heart's about to explode and they're doing stand-up or they're drawing ca- cartoons or or they're literally making a fucking documentary about the very subject mm-hmm. um,
0: yeah, i think and it's funny because you mentioning that there's like reasons not to do something and and how we've found, like the community has found ways to do what we can do. Uh, I wouldn't be where I am without Marfan syndrome, you know? Yeah. I I wouldn't have the same drive to work. I wouldn't have uh, a lot of the same opportunities. Uh, This documentary wouldn't exist. And this is the thing that I've poured my heart and soul into for the last three years. So I wouldn't change it for the world, but also you know it's still a hard thing to deal with you know
2: Uh, of course i mean i but there's not it doesn't seem like anything's holding you back at the moment you've at 20 years old you've done a lot of things uh people have yet to do you know how many times I, i i mean i've done stand up for a little over a year now and just in that short amount of time i've done it i've probably had at least 10 it's usually some middle-aged white guy come up to me and go like, I've always wanted to do stand-up. Like, mm-hmm. how do I do it? And it's just like, I don't think they ever like the advice, which is just you just do it. Yeah, It's as simple as, like, you know, pen and paper, or even if yeah. you just want to go up there and do nothing. I mean, we've, we've literally, just before we did this podcast, we were talking about a comedian in our scene that a lot of times he goes up there without a safety net. But he, he does it.
0: And he, he, and he, like, people love it a lot. Exactly.
2: Yeah. So you've almost lived, what feels like two or three different lives, different timelines, and just you're one. Well, you know, you crazy. gotta
0: hop to it because just in case that thirty-year estimate is correct, you know, just gotta <laughs> <laughs> make sure, make sure we pack it, pack it full of stuff.
2: Okay, true. Okay, that's that's a. I think that's a better way to look at it because I can see the the urgency now. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't. You're not in college. I'm not was this like part of the decision made did you feel like college was going to be a waste of your time
0: my college experience my college application experience was really interesting um so i was approached my junior year by the head of the harvard film program uh and they asked me to apply and so i did and i applied to a few other film schools too like emerson usc you know all the standard ones and i got into I got into USC and Emerson. Uh, they Neither of them gave me scholarships. And then I was waiting on this Harvard thing because that's honestly at the point before I decided whether or not to go to college. I was like, you know, if I get into Harvard, I'll go to Harvard because you can't say no to Harvard. Like even though I'll be miserable for the next four years, like I need to do it just to say that I went to Harvard. Uh, but then they decided on academic grounds that my, you know, 3.4 GPA was not high enough for their film program
1: what, so, what nerds
0: right yeah um, oh. but no i mean to, for in all seriousness like i my college counselor my senior year told me not to go to college my production mentor wow. who you don't
2: you don't hear that much
0: yeah it's no, literally no. <laughs> his whole job to tell me to go to college and he's like dude you don't you're you're wasting your time like do not go to college he's like honestly i would say like I kind of wish I hadn't even made you spend the time applying because like you could have been doing other cooler things in that time. Um, But uh, it was a mix of, you know, him, the person who is the representation of college in my life at the time, uh, telling me not to go mixed with the fact that I didn't get any financial aid with Emerson. And, and I have all, I, I had started working with Steve right before, or like like at the beginning of my senior year, so I had all these like new exciting opportunities in Atlanta, and I've grown up in Atlanta and I've you know, always been a part of the scene in Atlanta. and I've and that's helped me exponentially by just being like ever present in the Atlanta scene. No one ever forgets me because I'm very unique uh, looking, especially. Uh, but you know, like having all these people tell me not to go, plus having all these reasons to stay, and then the fact that, like, college doesn't have to happen right after high school. You know, if I did ever want to go to college, I could still go to college. I just don't think that that's what I need to do right now. So I actually started off by telling everyone I was going to take a gap year because uh, telling people you're not going to college at a private school in Buckhead is not not a not a hunky-dory decision most of the time. Uh, they, they usually uh, – I got a lot – like, at my own graduation party, I had – three different mothers of my classmates come up and tell me how I was going to fail because I wasn't going to college.
2: That's always good oh to hear. God, at, at your my own party. graduation yeah. party.
0: I was like, get out of here. Like, what are you
2: doing? I'd love oh, if God. they, like, got you the cake, too, and they just wrote up the cake, like, please failure. go to college. <laughs> yeah. yeah, failure. <laughs> so. This is you
0: in the industry later, and they just eating you alive. <laughs> so, I, I.
2: Well, we eventually have to land the plane here, but I I do want to ask one question because you do have a unique insight in this. And this is the thing. I think being in Atlanta, this topic comes up all the time. But you've almost been a part of the film industry here the whole time it's been growing because it it happened what the incentives kicked in back in 07, 08. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think – like is Atlanta – Growing? Is it stagnating? Do you like? Do you want to plant roots here? Do you think it's something's going to happen, or do you think it's always just going to be kind of like Atlanta, the satellite market for Hollywood?
0: I think um, it's hard. It's hard to see, especially with all the political things surrounding it right now, too, and not knowing how serious everyone is when they say that they're pulling out for certain reasons. Um, But I think Atlanta has always been since i've been in the industry and is continuing to be just what from what it looks like to me a place where knowing people gets you far where opportunity continues to be around the corner but like you don't know where you know it's like it's this land of opportunity because it's so non-incorporated like everything's so like out there everything's for the taking right now still you know, I mean, except for, like, you know, if you want to work on a Marvel set, that's still you got to, like, go down and a chain of command. Yeah, but like everything else here that really means anything is still so open. And if if you just know the right people and know the right things to ask and have the right skills, you can become a part of something really great. So I think as long as we keep that spirit and as long as, you know, I think I think as long as the political situation kind of gets itself worked out eventually. I think Hollywood companies are gonna set up, you know, offices here. We're gonna be the next New York, uh, and having, but but I, I just hope that that doesn't kill the sense of like independent drive that has made Atlanta so.
2: Oh, cool. it will, of course, it will. Right, <laughs> <I'm>, right.
0: <laughs> but like, get, not not until not until I retire, at least, please.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- this is one thing I've I've said to a lot of my friends because um, I, I out of college, I think I'm the only one. Uh, at the moment, no, a couple have finally trickled into Atlanta, but I was the only one at the moment that went to Atlanta. And one thing that hit me after my first six months here, and I always used to describe it as like it's a pioneer's market, like mm-hmm. it's bizarre. We yeah, cut it's out like,
0: our little area, we build our little fucking house. Like
2: No, yeah, no shit. It's almost like if you want it and you're going to have enough tenacity, every like in New York and L.A., almost every kind of hustle has been had. Mm-hmm. While in Atlanta, that is not the case. So it's like you can get away with so much. And before you know it, all of a sudden you're like, wait, how did I get this far? Like, how did I get this much access to things in this amount of time?
0: Yeah. So the production mentor I was talking about, who is the big music video director and producer out in L.A., she came here and I am now her like Atlanta translator because she's so <laughs> used to working on big sets where she has, you know, 100 people at her beck and call that she's not used to like making it work. And so she brings me in because I know how to make it work um, for a lot of things. And so it's it's really been interesting talking to her. And she's like, oh, well, you know, normally we do things this way. It's like, yeah, well, welcome to Atlanta. You need to do whatever you need to do to make this happen. So unless you don't want it to happen, we can't do that, you know?
2: Yeah, I, I, it's kind of, it's funny because it, it really is. Uh, it's like the Wild West right now Yeah. in terms of production and also like the comedy. Almost every big artistic scene that's except relative for music. except for music's always been in Atlanta yeah. but everything else is so young in Atlanta it's almost you can track it back like even stand-up like you could trace the stand-up scene almost back 15 20 years ago to where it really started to like pick up steam mm-hmm. but before that it didn't have a lot going it's so crazy to hear these stories because when you come here now you would think this stuff has kind of been around for a while right but it's still so young you can yeah. do so much here
0: yeah, it's a it's a great place to be, though. I think uh, I have a girlfriend up in New York City, and she had talked to me. It's like, hey, like maybe one day you'll like move up here to come be close to me. And it's like, well, she's she's in college up there. It's like, well, I mean, like I don't, I, I honestly don't know. Like, I don't know if New York's gonna be a better spot for me right now because Atlanta is such a unique situation, and and having all the connections that I have here is just like there's a million reasons to stay.
2: Yeah, it's it's. I feel like it, it's easy to get. I don't know what the timeline is for Atlanta. I don't know at what point is it going to become the the actual hub. Because right now it's definitely a satellite market. It's like an area where uh, a lot of bigger names will stop by and do their things here now. And then they kind of go back to the actual hubs of LA and New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can see it kind of on a track record of slowly becoming a hub. Because, I mean, obviously Pinewood being here was a big thing and then Tyler Perry just doubled down and opened some more studio space here. And it's, you see it slowly going that way. I don't know. It's definitely not on a highway. I'll put it like that. We're on the residential road to that.
0: Right. Yeah. I agree.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I I think we reached a pretty interesting point there because yeah. I I really want to ask you because you've been around since twelve doing this. So I yeah I want <laughs> I wanted to almost have someone say like yeah Tyler you're not crazy.
0: No no you're not you're definitely not it's 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 a unique situation but it's it's cool because you know like. I'm glad that we're at this transitional period, and it's been this transitional period the entire time I've been in the industry because it you know you get the most embedded in in the most important things whenever they're in transition, you know it's easiest to kind of like work your way into the like core of something when it's changing,
2: yeah, no, that's totally true um i wow well, i Liam, I, we probably do need to get you back at some point because, like, I, I was going to say that we, we, <laughs> we could have at least spent 40, 50 minutes on one of these things, and I've yeah. tried my best to hit them all in 40, yeah. and 50. So I think at some point, let's get you back on to go a little bit, like, dive a little bit deeper into this stuff. But at the moment, we got to wrap it up. Do you yeah. have any plugs?
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, check out cave in on Steve Whitmire. website. We have all of our old episodes there. Uh. Follow my production company or me on Instagram uh, at New Haven Productions at Liam J Nelson. Uh, my name's Liam Nelson. It's one letter off Liam Neeson. That's why IMDb is impossible to find. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, other than that, I think that that's kind of all the stuff that I would want to direct people to.
2: Awesome. awesome, Liam. Thank you so much. We love you. Come back when you can. Okay.
0: Yeah, we'll do. Thank you, guys.
1: my
2: god oh my god oh another god.
1: another phenomenal interview <laughs> just for Mister tie tie-in matt already pat myself on the back oh you gotta you already gotta. doing it um this is a great one <laughs> our thanks to liam nelson again for joining us we'll yes. have to have him back again we do because we only scratched the surface i know we,
2: we really could have gone into any of those uh I, i've got I, we got to get him back because i, I want to hear more about the production aspect of it I, I think we had a lot more to go into
1: yeah for sure so we'll just have to do another one that's the nice thing about having an interview like that is it's like well we know we have another episode we can do you know what i mean if we only have if we only have one more left in us we at least know we have that
2: i want to set a new bar where every guest we have potentially can get us two episodes because i'm tired of having guests on where it's like you get to the end of the first one it's like well that dragged you know (laughs) It's like I'm not pointing any fingers, but it's like Colin Austin Nick. It's like what is happening? <laughs> like just yeah. fucking get a, just get a new thing, get a hobby, get something we can talk about. We
1: can't carry everything. We can carry a lot. We can. We're strong.
2: But I can't carry we're, we're, a bad personality at- and a lack of ambition.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh,
2: but that was okay. That was a super long interview. We can we can get to the fun part of this thing. Why we do this whole thing? The plugs.
1: Damn straight. Matt, I got, a good, too. Yeah, I got a good one. Yeah, take it away. This week. Uh, people might remember I used to have the ugliest URL on the internet for my blog, The Matt Regal Files. I'm happy to announce that I have ponied up the $12 a year necessary to purchase com.
2: Oh, beautiful. Beautiful.
1: Uh, I'm still, uh, however, at Matt underscore Regal on Twitter and Instagram.
2: All right. Well, you know, you always end up thing to keep you grounded. Exactly, the Achilles heel. Um, What have you got there, Ty? uh, I got a couple dates here. Uh, You can you can see you know some shows. uh, Fifth Place Comedy Show that's going to be December fifth again. You know the usual. You can RSVP FifthPlaceComedy.Eventbrite.com. Get a free drink. What are you doing? Claim it. Are you too good to drink? Are you someone? Then don't get alcohol, dummy. Get, Get a little seltzer. Get a little seltzer. You know, they have energy drinks. Get fucking wired. Be uncomfortable oh, yeah. for an hour and a half.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. Crank yourself full of energy drink and then just laugh and laugh and laugh.
2: <laughs> get, get, go. Go. Yeah. Uh, then uh, December 9th, uh, I will be on a another bar show. I'm king of the bar shows here in Atlanta. Uh, I will be at Johnny McCracken's. Um, <laughs> it literally sound. Yeah, Johnny yeah. McCracken's. It really didn't have to say it was a bar show. I think the name alluded.
1: Johnny McCracken.
2: Johnny McCrackens, baby. Brother, you, can,
1: you know his brother. Phil McCracken. Phil. <laughs> well,
2: I'm not we're not doing this. We gotta get through these plugs. <laughs> Johnny McCrackens. Uh that's gonna I think that's uh eight thirty PM. You can find that in Marietta, Georgia, or in a small town near you. Um and then you can find the usual stuff, you know, at Ty Colgate. I'm a simple man. I didn't have to fight for it like you did. No. Uh wow. This was a big yeah. one. I think it was a great show. What the moral of what? What do you think the moral of this show should be? I'm actually kind of. Oh man! If there was something we had to pull uh, from the show, what? Yeah,
1: what... I, I would just pull. I would just say, uh, do you? <laughs> yeah. It looks nice on it. Like that, I think that's a great, great moral because it would look great on a T-shirt. I think that should be the 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 tagline for the tie match show, the tie match show with Matt and Ty. Do you? Do you? Do you? I, actually,
2: that's fitting because I'll tell you what Liam does does him in way too many ways. I feel insignificant only doing this podcast. So I'm gonna like go start like learning a new skill after this episode. I'm gonna learn yeah. how to woodwork or something. Uh, yeah. Until the next one, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning.
1: Bye.